and thank you for listening to Radio Radar Plus. This is episode 34 for Friday, January. I don't know what January is it. It's uh, it's eight. It's the January. It's, it's the it's the good one. It's the good January. We are in the midst of the darkness. Oh, it's that's January 22. That's the one this for. That's um, that's when you're listening to it. That's the date. That's if you thought it was a different date and you just discovered this through the podcast, I am sorry. I apologize. But it's Friday, January 22nd. This is Ludwig Hitzman. I'm your host. And I'm the only one on the show today. Lies! 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 <laughs> Why would you besmirch the name of Game of Sir Adar with your lies? I'm sorry. It's, I'm joined by Anthony John Nicknell. I wanted to keep that a secret. He's the, the senior social editor here at Games Radar. Games Radar, by the way, is actually the ultimate form of a book smart Pokemon you haven't heard of. <laughs> He's not that popular because the only thing you can do with him is read him. What's the what's the evolved <laughs> form? The evolved form is you can watch him, right? You can, you can, you can <laughs> or listen to him, him in the form of podcast. I'm also joined by Ashley Reed, another editor here at GamesRadar.com. Hello. I feel like the I feel like the evolution would be to radio, and then to tell then to a, something you could watch, but he would have to like kill himself in the pro- his evolution would involve ripping his old form to pieces. Right. Self sacrifice. I've played like maybe two hours of Pokemon in my entire life. What? No Pokemon Stadium or Pokemon Snap? No. Nope. Or Hey You Pikachu? Nope. No. Or Pokemon Mystery Dungeon? You're just rattling your Pokemon <laughs> names now. <laughs> or that one like bejeweled game that had a Pokemon theme? <laughs> or Pokemon Troizai? Is that my pronouncing? Troze? Troiza? Why do I know that name but not the game? Because yeah, how could you forget a name like Troiza? Troza. I mean, it'd be easy to forget. It's Troyza. I'm like, how? What? D- d- trip turtles? Toaster? <laughs> Pokemon toaster? Ludwig. Full disclosure: I have played. I would say collectively over the years, probably about 50 hours of Pokemon. I have never finished one of those games because I think that there that you inevitably get to a barrier in Pokemon. Where if you... Do you have to capture the barrier, I think? Yeah, you literally, like, you... The full weight of catching them all dawns on you. And you're like, no, I need to live. I need to go breathe air and do something that doesn't involve throwing balls at animals in the tall grass. That's that's usually... That's the my, my, my personal rule is to check out of a game uh, after 100 hours. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I almost never get to the point where I have played a game for 100 hours, but that is the absolute most. Like, that is stop. You got to get out. You got to play something else now. Uh, I'm not at that point with Metal Gear Solid 5 yet, but uh, we are bringing back a classic segment called Yep, Ludwig is still playing Metal Gear Solid 5. <laughs> and, I love this. I just bought the greatest hits on Blu ray. I watched, I watched, the, I watched the, all the highlights of Anthony. What am I supposed to do on side ops? Anthony. <laughs> How am I supposed to find pause? Anthony, chapter two. Ludwig, it's three in the morning. I just got to chapter two. <laughs> it's my favorite show. It's funny because I I, I I am 100% totally in love with this game. It feels like it's it's 
Metal Gear Solid, the Far Cry 2 version, which if you've been following me over the years, you know that I'm completely obsessed with the game Far Cry 2. And that's another game that I played in bits and pieces for a really long time. And it's weird that it makes it feel even longer that way, even though I'm only at like hour 70 with Metal Gear Solid 5. But I'll, I'll get back into it some other time when I'm done with it. But... Anthony, I wanted to tell you my new favorite thing to do in Metal Gear Solid 5. Oh, yeah? And that is, you pick a destination, you pick Quiet, who is the scantily clad uh, female sniper, who you're supposed to feel bad about. Oh, wait, time out, time out. Have you gotten to the point in the game where she no longer has to be scantily clad? I mean, I can make her appear silver and gold. Was that a spoiler, Anthony? No, it's not a a spoiler. It's not a spoiler. God damn it. The entire entire premise of the character fucking disintegrates once you get to the point where you have a lot of money and she's like, your partnership with her has fully leveled up. Yeah, After yeah, yeah. you fully leveled up her partnership with Quiet, and you know you frolicked nude in the rain with her. That's a I thing do that remember happens. that. Uh, you can then just buy her proper combat clothing. You're when can I do that? By the way, when can I frolic in the rain with her? Because I haven't gotten that part yet. Sh- okay. Wait, we're getting sidetracked. We're getting sidetracked. Stop it. Listen, <laughs> here's here's what I'm doing now. You go what, with Quiet. You pick a destination. You pick Quiet. You get out of the helicopter. Pequod says, "Be careful down there, boss." Same as he always does every single time. You can give him another sound bite. That's on par with he's coming too. <laughs> You're extracting him, uh, so you land. And usually Quiet is crouched with her sniper rifle peering down the scope right next to you because she's waiting for you to tell her, you know, go scatter uh, town or, you know, go take out some dudes or just, you know, help me in some way, right? You, as Big Boss, you also crouch and you walk up to her so that your face is right next to her ear. And one of the options in your in your menu, which is where like the options like uh, creating a distraction is, or creating a noise, or ordering your buddies, one of them is just talk to quiet. And because it's Kiefer Sutherland and Snake in this game, <laughs> when you choose that option, he just says quiet. <laughs> so <laughs> you're. St- that's the extent of the dialogue with her if you choose that option. So you, you're just crouched next to her, your mouth up next to her ear, and you're going, quiet! <laughs> quiet! <laughs> quiet! Oh, no. See, that's, that's pretty bad, because even when he's like gra- when he is grabbing an enemy combatant and trying to threaten information out of them, I feel like he's mumbling the whole thing. He's like, where's your friend? So this is the moment when he chooses to actually like have a forceful tone in his voice. Well, no, no. There, there are there are other moments when Kiefer Sutherland decides to enunciate. The one other example I can think of is when he tells a horse to poop. Uh, so you can you can select what? the option, and it, it's literally do it. And Kiefer Sutherland will be like, do it, and then the horse will poop. And on command that's pretty impressive yeah and like honestly like i can't believe there aren't more videos of people just making the horse poop on everything because you can just repeatedly make the horse poop on right. it speaks to a, to a, some kind of bowel issue yeah equine bowel issue game of the year 24 so what i love about this is like you can just keep doing it over and over which is 
hilarious, but it's also like, is she ignoring him? Is he like trying to get her attention? Is he going like, quiet, quiet, quiet? I'm sure, like in her mind, quiet. she's just like, God damn it, this <laughs> you, fucking you asshole! You know, my thing is to not speak. It's in my name, for God's sake. You know, I will die. I will actually die. <laughs> or is he just an old man? And even though she doesn't say anything, she's still too noisy, and he's just trying to tell her to quiet down. <laughs> I would like I would like to point out that as we're having this conversation, I am looking at on my desk standing next to each other, action figures of Venom Snake and Quiet with these horrifically stoic like faces on the action figures. And it's almost like stop talking about us, we're right here. Don't, wow, qu- like don't the- question how we talk to each other. Can I like I get- saying quiet in her ear repeatedly. I'm judging a- you all. It's a thing they have. It's their, it's yeah, their it's special their thing. thing. Well, I will say that, like, narratively speaking, they do have their things. Because, okay, it, Ludwig, have you gotten to the point where you, like, quiet will force you to shower? I no. know that bit. No. If you, and this is another thing that you can do in, a, in addition to giving a horse IBS, you can, <laughs> you can hide... In a porta potty for a week. <laughs> <laughs> like if you want, you can just get inside. So you use, a the, use the phantom cigar. If you use the phantom cigar, you can, just, you can just keep using that phantom cigar until there are none left. And I got seven days in there with the number of phantom cigars. And when you come out, like the uh, snake doesn't smell good. Because he's been sitting in a hot Portageon for seven days in, in Afghanistan. In Afghanistan. And like, and so when he comes out, this is my favorite graphical touch of the game. There are flies around him. Like he's covered with flies and like pig pen style stink lines. Yep. And when you go back to Mother Base, you'll show up and all of the diamond dogs are like. Boss, you smell like, like what the horse does. We're going to take care of this. And usually Revolver Ocelot throws a bucket of water at you. But if you're close enough with Quiet, she will walk up to Snake and be like, no, nah, I got this. And then take him to her cell. And then they shower together. But it's not like erotic. They just shower. Like, I don't know, man. I, I don't think I agree with it not being erotic. There's a guy in the background that's watching Quiet, like, <laughs> je- watching Quiet just kind of, like, roll about, or just sway about. And he's he's making some pretty unfortunate comments. Well, so you have totally <laughs> fallen out of love with the shower. Every shower is erotic to me, even when I just by myself. But seriously, there's a guy. And I enjoy a good one every two weeks or so. Oh, <laughs> though I will say that scene is made ten times funnier with this mod, with the mod that switches Quiet and Ocelot. Oh, so it's that. Quiet that tries that. to throw the bucket of water on you, and then Ocelot shows up and takes you to the shower and is gyrating under the water while some guy in the background's like, "Ooh, you bet, you bad girl, you bad girl." I'm like, "Oh my god." <laughs> Ash, my favorite with that mod is the helicopter yoga. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I didn't see. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, you can see Ocelot doing all the, like, allow me to shove a posterior directly into your eyes uh, (laughs) yoga. 
It, it's, it's, yeah, and, it, like, I will say, the revealing thing about that is that whoever was the body capture for Ocelot is toned. He looks good. <laughs> he looks real nice in those scenes. I mean, I, I will give Ocelot that. Uh, Revolver Ocelot is a handsome son of a bitch. Yeah, he's good looking. He gets real ugly later on in those games. Yeah, for, he becomes really horrible as yeah. time goes by. Yeah, he, he like he, he like becomes like a, a a bad impersonation of Yosemite Sam. Aww, <laughs> it's like he like peaks in Metal Gear Five because like in Metal Gear Three he looks like derptastic, and yeah. then later yeah. on he looks like a troll demon. I do enjoy his character in Three though, like just like his he has all these little gimmicks to <laughs> to put people on edge in that game. He's pretty fun. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, We've been playing some more recent games. We totally have. <laughs> We've been playing games like Undertale. Like Undertale. Undertale. Tell me about Undertale. Because I this is not a console game, but it is on PC, and we I, I, it'll probably come to console because it's been pretty popular and successful, yeah. I would say. I, um, I, I don't think that there is a question at all. Why does it belong on console? Uh, it belongs on console because it, it's so weird playing Undertale at this point because, it, you know, yes, for the past 10 years, we've we've sort of been in an era where all of a sudden uh, illusions, A-L-L-U-S-I-O-N-S, illusions, have Good been job. commonplace in, in video games. Uh, you know, you go back to the 80s and 90s and, like, all of these foundational video games, there's plenty of references to film and literature and all kinds of things. Metal Gear does that a lot. Metal Gear, you know, the original cover for Metal Gear is very clearly Michael Bean from the original Terminator and, and so on and so forth. And I like how illusory text, like, you know, adds layers of emotions to things that they don't have to explicitly spell out. Like, you get all of this context by referring to something older and you get a lot out of it. And now games can refer to themselves. And I think that, you know, you hear people sort of get exhausted. You, you've heard people say, oh, I'm tired of indie games. I'm tired of all these, you know, pixel indie games. And really what they're saying is I, I'm sort of sick and tired of a fawning over a specific aesthetic and era of video games. I, I mm -hmm. can understand why people find that tiresome. Plus, plus, like saying coming out of the gate and saying we're an indie game is no longer no, the kind yeah. of it's not it's not the useful signal that it once was. No, and, and like that that lingually <clears throat> is is meaningless at this point. Like there there is no such thing as indie games anymore. They're all just games. Uh, and I feel like I feel like actually branding yourself as an indie game kind of hurts you at this point. Like or oh, it has oh. for a while. I think like for the longest time I kind of said, I don't like indie games yeah. because I had a very specific idea in mind of what an indie game was. When I actually looked at the definition companies were using, I'm like, oh, actually most of my favorite games are indie games, quote unquote. Yeah. So that's how not useful that term is. Totally, totally. And um, looking at Undertale in inside of all of this, what we're talking about, it is a fascinating game because I feel like a lot of people would look at it and it would be saddled with a lot of these expectations of a thing. You would, you would expect it to be nothing but references rather than a text that makes allusions to past texts. I think the word you're looking for is twee. Yeah, people, people would be concerned about tweeness, that it would be too precious. Look. And it, it, rather than be precious, Undertale very, very successfully 
uses the language of old games to tell a wonderful story that is not too long. And like that is the, the short and long of it. It is a RPG that directly recalls uh, the work of Square and Enix, separate, separate companies like Square and Enix and Nintendo uh, around 1995. Think Earthbound, think Illusion of Gaia, think Chrono Trigger. And I, I don't, like, you know, people are constantly saying, don't tell people. Like, go into it as blank as you possibly can. And I, I think that is important. Uh, you shouldn't know that much about Undertale going into it. But the basic premise is you are a human being. You wake up underground, and you are in this underworld where monsters live. And the monsters were chased there by human beings long, long ago, and they live underground, and you are trying to get out. And that is it. And the, the one other thing that is notable, and the game is very upfront about this, it's in the very first scene, is you are presented with old-style RPG fights in first person. And the game encourages you to, a la Shin Megami Tensei, talk to your enemies as well as fight them. And, I, it, man... You would think that this is all style and no substance. You'd be like, oh, well, it's just a story. Oh, well, it's just art and music that's very precious and very evocative of these old things, and it references these old things. But, like, it is so fun to just play all on its own. Like, the battle system is, is utterly unique because there's a very active element. When an enemy attacks you, there is, like, a little window... And, and you are represented in the window by a heart that looks very much like the hearts that represent your life in the original Zelda or all Zeldas. And in it, there will be some, like, there will be all of these other little, you know, particles that you need to avoid them. You need to move the heart around to avoid them so you don't take damage. And it'll, it'll always be, like, related to the enemies you're fighting. Like, halfway through the game, an enemy appears who is, like, a flying seahorse. And it has, like, the bottom of a seahorse, but the top is, like, a jacked, muscular, with huge, like, human biceps horse torso. Uh, which doesn't poop. There's no pooping horses in this game. Uh, One out of five. And Failure. Like, and so when you fight it, you can, you can rather than attacking it, you can challenge it to a flexing competition. And then it'll flex at you. And in the little window will just be like, in, like a pattern of flexing arms that you need to dodge. <coughs> and, and, oh, my God. Yeah. And so oh, wow. okay. just, just playing that is so entertaining all on its own that it... Like everything that needs to be there to make a great game is in Undertale. I don't. I don't want to talk too much about specifics beyond that stuff because it's. It, it is so short. You know, uh, your first playthrough will only take about four or five hours total, and it's it's a, a remarkable thing. It's a remarkable thing. I'm not. I'm. I don't know if I'm in the Game Facts camp that it's like the greatest game of all time, but. Uh, 
Yeah, it's it's very good. Okay, but answer me like if you give me a short answer to this question: Is the game about something other than just games? Yes. Like, is there some 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 better meaning to it? Yes, because that's that's the thing. Like, it is it is not about games. It's not. Like, people are saying like, oh, this is a video game about games. Like, you can make that argument. You can read that into the text. But it is it is far more a story about this person trying to get out of the underworld and the people they meet. That's what it's about. Like, it, it is not... Like, anybody that wants to sit there and sort of make the academic argument... Uh, you know, if anybody wants to sit there and be like, Hello, uh, for my Philosophy 101 thesis, I'm going to be talking about Bioshock in my landmark paper... Would you kindly an explanation of Bioshock? Uh, you know I did that in college. You know I did <laughs> of course, that. Of course you did. Of course you did. Uh, <laughs> of course you did. Uh, but like, I it, wasn't a philosophy major though. Mm, it's, it's, just throwing that out there. It's not as ex- it's not it's not like that. It's not as explicit or bald as that. And whenever it is using the language of old games, it's too reinforced something about its characters. Okay, so because like as a, as a counterpoint, uh, one of the games that I played uh, recently is a game called Pony Island. Uh, it's also just for yes. PC right now. Can you, t- <clears throat> can you tell me about this game, Letty? Because uh, I've heard about it and I have no idea what well, it is. Full disclosure, the ponies do not poop in this game either. <sighs> So, is that like going to be the theme of this podcast? I guess is like so. how the horses that may or may not shit in video games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, Pony Island is this. It's a you. You start it up, and it's got the super colorful title screen, and it looks kind of like a cartoonish, uh, very simplistic video game where you play as a cute little pony that's running from left to right on the screen, and you jump over little fences. But as you play this game, you realize it's 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 on an old arcade machine. And this game is broken. Oh, something something about it is just not right. It's it's glitchy, and it flashes away, and you see the underlying operating system on the arcade system, and like there, there's an executable for the game you just played, and there's like a messaging system, and you start getting messages from someone else who is also somewhere playing the same game, and. Basically, it's all building up to this this story about the game that you're playing right now is something that's that's designed to distract you, and maybe the machine that you're playing on is possessed. Maybe something weird is going on. And I like that part of it a lot. It's, it's got a very sinister, eerie vibe to it, but it's not expressed in ways that you typically see in films or 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 other forms of media or other games even like it's not traditionally creepy it's creepy because if you ever used a computer and you saw your computer acting weird that's like a particular kind of oddness right like it's very it's like a contemporary weirdness I've had nightmares about that. I've had nightmares about walking up to a computer and it starts talking to me and it just gets that that is a deep down fear that it's touching on. Yeah, and so it starts this mystery of like and you're still playing bits and pieces, and you're playing different versions of this game called Pony Island, but as you play it, you learn more about who you are and why you're playing this game and and what exactly is wrong with the system that you're playing this on, and you kind of like see, it's like peeling back the curtain and seeing things behind the scenes and interacting with them and trying to use that to exploit uh, the game that you're playing, and there are lots of little puzzles that kind of look like, it looks like you're reprogramming things in the game. What are you actually 
doing? Like you're trying to stop playing the game. You're trying you to stop. You're trying to like, stop. And you, like, and you how? stopped. How are you trying to stop doing that? That's. I think I'm, I'm not totally understanding that. Well, basically, like uh, you get messages, and this person tells you, like, listen, I've, I'm, I'm trying to help you get out of this, like, because Pony Island is just a, it's, it's not what you think it is. And there's someone else who messages you and just says, uh, keep playing the game. You must keep playing the game. Uh, tell me, uh, just, just write back. It's like, it's like an instant messaging program. And he says, just write back, yes, master. And no matter what oh. you type on the keyboard, what appears on screen is yes, master. Oh, oh man, that's oh. so spooky. <laughs> right? So, like, you're trying to get out of, you're not really sure why, but you're trying to get out of this. And eventually you start reprogramming little bits and pieces of the game itself. And that reflects in a, in a really neat little puzzle. It's like the game is, is executing line by line. And when you insert different symbols on different lines, the cursor of what is being executed will jump to different places. And you're trying to execute certain things before other things so that you can essentially reprogram the game in a very simplistic way that plays out like a... Like a, like a pretty simplistic little puzzle, but they get complicated as you go. And it's a really cool game. I highly recommend it. However, I think it's, it is it is too deep into here's a game about games. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, that, that about, sounds... Think about how, many, how much time you're spending playing a game. Are you really a slave to the video game that you're playing right now? Like, I don't think those questions are... I feel like games are more sophisticated now that we don't really need to bother with the sort of art about art. Yeah. Because that makes it that makes it less relevant. I, I mean, like at like, large, like it makes it less general. Like it makes it about themes that are less human, and I appreciate it. But I also just I don't want my games to tell me. Let me tell you something about games. It's like a, it's the spec ops the line. For that. It's not that there's not room for that. Like, <clears throat> yeah. That, that story could be told, but like it needs to have some kind of depth. Yeah, like I want yeah. that as flavor, not right. the actual core of it, because. I, I feel like you need to trust me to be able to make those decisions and think about games that way on my own. I don't need the game to tell me. It's like a Spec Ops The Line. Spec Ops The Line was a shooter which basically asked you, well, have you really considered the moral implications of this shooter that you're playing? Like, to me, to me, that's like an asinine question. Yeah. It also, it's like, it's like, are you trying to make me feel bad for playing this video game? Like, I understand it's not... Like, I want you to explore in the story that you're telling with the mechanics that you have something about... Real life, like it, it can be anything. It can be nothing too. Like you can make a trashy action game without that depth. That's fine. And Spec Ops has the depth. That's good. But what it was ultimately about was about video games, and I think like that is a that is a, a less interesting topic and less accessible topic than like anything else. Like even even Metal Gear Solid Five, as silly as it is, it has horse pooping. Right. That right. to me is a is a better game about war and people in war and soldiers than Spec Ops the Line. Even though Spec Ops the Line is seen as the intelligent one, sure. it was like so inward that well, I think it made it less like, accessible. The other thing is, is, you know, we were talking before about, uh, you know, in, in reference to Undertale, like sort of the difference between an illusion and a reference. And Spec Ops the Line is just like, look, we borrowed the exact same structure of Heart of Darkness. Ha ha! It wasn't like, it, it, there, there was no... There was no depth. There also, was no Far Cry 2 did that better. Uh, Far Cry, and, but, but exactly, and Far Cry 2 <coughs> didn't just ape the beats of the, the narrative. Like, like it, you know, it, it was like, all right, we're going to take Conrad, and we're going to, you know, use that as sort of an emotional background to tell this very different story that we want to not tell about a person, but affect in the player. Like, you know, we're 
because it's a video game. We're not mm-hmm. trying to like tell you a story about this character. We're trying to make this about your experience and, and, and being a human. Yeah, it's like it's all about what kind of choices are praised and, and valued, and I would say overvalued in right. games. And like the story, mm-hmm. like when people talk about good choices in games, they mean like. Two characters spoke to each other, and then like a big prompt came up, and it's like, "Will you kill this person, right, or will you right. not kill them?" But if you want like real interesting moral choices, you could look at a game like Far Cry Two, where at one point they're like, "Which mission would you like to do? Would you like to burn down a village or sabotage malaria supplies, like anti-malaria medicine yeah. supplies, or, or Metal Gear? Or, and, the Metal like, Gear. Will you be lethal or non-lethal? Which weapons are you going to take with you? That to me is a more interesting choice because you've made a decision about how you're going to." enter this game and interact with the characters in it more so than a prompt where it's like hey snake are you a murderer or a savior <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it's a- like that choice is expressed better in i'm going to take my tranquilized pistol and i'm going to get really close to everyone and i'm going to play the game really slowly it's going to be frustrating but nobody will die i don't want to spoil anything for you ludwig but the the framing and constant allusions to moby dick in metal gear solid 5 are made fascinating by the way that game ends mm-hmm. uh and yeah like i like and that that is like it's not this is a moby dick story and snake has to beat a white whale but it's a fire whale in the sky it's a it's, metal gear whale but really <laughs> it's the whale in his heart right. <laughs> it's the whale in his heart it's the whale in his shower scene. That's the that's the, actually the part that I like the most about Star Trek First Contact. Oh! Because Captain Picard yeah. is like, I'm going to kill the Borg. And uh, you have the lady from Earth. Uh, what was her name again? Uh, Lily? I think her name was Lily. Lily, yeah. Um, played by Alfred Woodard, who's Farmer, awesome. Farmer Hoggett's best And he, like, friend. freaks out and he bra- and she just says, you you broke your ships. You yeah. broke your little ships. Look at you. You're you're Ahab. She literally calls him Ahab, which is a little on the nose, but you know. I feel like it maybe works they, for that movie. Maybe they were like, uh, how many people read this in high school? Oh shit, like twenty five percent, we're gonna have to clear how, this up. How subtle should we be? Lenny, <laughs> you both we both know that's not the best scene in first contact. The best scene in first contact is Michael Dorn in the worst I'm an outer space set ever built for a movie, going, assimilate this. <laughs> really, you're not gonna go with uh, with uh, Troy being fake drunk. Ooh. This is painful to watch. Oh, Green Assertus, no. <laughs> <laughs> the line must be drawn here. Yeah, yeah. I, all of I, I'm so, okay. I don't want to go down to Star. Trek People complained about Star Wars last week. Oh, we had a little too much discussion too about much Star, Wars. Star Wars. Well, now it's Star Trek. So ah, you can't escape. There's yeah. balance yeah. in the, not the Force, the other thing. It's all... People, the Star Trek thing, whatever the Force equivalent is. People people say <laughs> they get enough of Star Wars, but I don't think... Okay, just for... Let's, let's for, get it back on track. Here we go. Whoop. We're back on track? We're back on track now. What are you that was playing? The, that was my train sound. I was... Uh, okay, what have, what have I been playing? Oh, damn. Um... <laughs> I'm actually behind because well, I, I I took to Twitter to complain like a couple days ago. I'm like, it's January 17th, and I am already behind on 2016's game. So I'm just gonna have to probably be okay with that. Right now, I'm play I'm playing The Room Three, mm. uh, which came out for iOS last year, but just came out for Android because I want to play it on my big old tablet. Because there's no there's no other way to really play that game, and. 
I was I was actually pleasantly surprised with it because I've played the last two. I was pretty sure I knew what to expect, and it and I will mark this spoilers for anyone who hasn't played since it's still relatively new. It uses that against you. Like, it basically says, oh, man, you're so smart. You got through those two other games with those other puzzles, and they're so hard. You are so brilliant. God, I, I bet nobody could solve this puzzle but you. And while it's telling you that, you start to believe it. So you totally miss the most important puzzle in the game, and it screws you over at the end. It's like, <laughs> ha, 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 I got you. And you're like, shit, I wasn't smart at all. So I was. I thought that was just so clever. How it how it made that work and how it turned things on turned you on your head basically and defied your expectations. I haven't played the third one yet, but I really enjoy those games. They have a great sense of touch and texture to Th- them. They really do. And I just like the idea of a puzzle box that sort of goes deeper and deeper the more of it you open, essentially. It's true. And the room three does get a little bigger, which I didn't necessarily like. It kind of brand you get like a hub world almost. It's okay. like a hub. You're in a mansion and the, there are different rooms in the mansion and each room leads to a puzzle room. And so it, it feels a little too big in some ways. But then you realize the reason that that hub is there. It's not just to make it bigger. It's to hide things from you in plain sight. So you end up feeling very silly because you're walking past and you're like, hey, what's this thing? Oh, wait, I got to solve this puzzle over here. And you just get that rush from actually solving it. So you totally miss what's right in front of you. And I thought it was such a clever game. Everyone should play it if you haven't had a chance. Even you people who don't like mobile games and think mobile games aren't games, stop and go play this one. I have a good one to recommend. I have a really good one to recommend. And this is mainly aimed at, at you, Anthony, because I know, I know you're on the verge of playing this game. Gonna I'm going to get you to play it. It's Oxen Free. Ooh. Which I, has pooping oxes. Uh, Does it really? No. <laughs> Does it no. have Kiefer Sutherland in the background going, do it? <laughs> Quiet. Uh. It does have a fun, if you, as uh, our editor Lucas Sullivan suggested, it does make a fun pun if you put it next to Ollie Ollie in your games list. How to amuse yourself with your, with your Steam games list. I'm so alone. Top 10 ways to make jokes in your Steam games list. Uh, so Oxenfree is also available on Xbox One. Uh, it is by, uh, I think the studio is called Night School, uh, who made it. It is essentially two-dimensional, telltale-ish take on Until Dawn. Hmm. Okay. Okay, so, I mean, the way I described it on Twitter was it is... I mean, it's a story. It's a story game. It's not. It's, don't ex- go into it expecting puzzles. It's not really a traditional adventure game. It's a game that you move through, and the story gets told, and you make decisions. So, it's basically the people. The, the cost of Life is Strange go into the house from Gone Home, and they lock the door so that David Cage can't get in. So, so, since we're talking about being referential. <laughs> Because, crap. because, That's because the, you know, why it's did like, you it's, say that to me before, Ludwig? I would have <laughs> dropped everything and started playing it. Because here's the thing: I, I, I enjoyed Until Dawn, but I do think it's trashy. Like, and of and, course. And, be, and it's because they let David Cage in. <laughs> it's because they let him in because they fell for the whole you must you must show emotions. 
Why is it Werner Herzog? It's always Werner Herzog. It's always, it's always Werner Herzog. Because uh, you have to show emotions through realistic human beings at, you know, choice moments. And then that choice has to feed into something called, like, the destiny matrix or, like, the decision log or something. Like, it has to be super gamified so that you trust the game is actually taking, taking paying attention to your decisions. So... No David Cage, just like it's it's because it's subtle. You see, it's subtle, and it's uh, well written and well paced. It's about five. You're saying some hurtful things. Five teenagers. Like. <laughs> you play as one of them. You play as Alex. It's five teenagers. They take a ferry. They go to an island for just like to hang out and have fun, and get drunk on the beach, and you you can tell from this game as soon as it starts just by by the sound design and the way it's scored. The music is really really cool. It's like something weird is happening. Something odd is going on. There's like a, a really this this really enjoyable sense of oddness that pervades the whole game. And as soon as they get there, uh, they start picking up things on their radio. And I don't want to spoil anything, but something happens and they get split up. They're not sure why or how they got split up, but they are. And there are weird things happening with voices, with ghosts, with time like certain moments are repeating themselves. It's just like really weird things are happening and they're trying to get off the island. And basically all of your decisions in the game play out with you go from place to place and you talk to people and while you're walking there, you you have conversations with the people with you. So you have um, someone who, so your play is Alex, she's, she's got blue hair and she's like looks pretty cool. Of course she does. She has blue hair. Um, and there's an explanation for that. But she uh, is, coming to this island and she's basically just getting to know her new stepbrother. So it's this opportunity for you to decide how she will react to this person. Like, is she going to be nice to him? And in, and in doing so, you talk to other people. Like, she has a, a high school friend who you can either be hot or cold to. She has someone uh, she doesn't like who's basically the Emily from Until Dawn in this game. Oh, yes. I do love the Emily. And There's always like, got to be an Emily. They're all these, and like the, the 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 way the dialogue works is completely. It's very organic. Like as someone is saying something, and it feels like you as a human being would be able to respond at that point. You would have enough information. Uh, you get these little bubbles that pop up, and there you either press X on your controller, Y or B. Like there, there are always three options, and the little uh, speech bubbles on the screen give you an idea of what you're going to say. The characters on the screen are very small, and the the camera is very distant. Has this beautiful hand drawn two D artwork, but you get there's like plenty of space for the speech bubble, so it's not like it clutters up the whole thing. And you just press the button, and when you press it, you can even you can just interrupt someone while they're still speaking, and you'll say whatever you want to say. Cool. Or you can wait for them to finish, but the the options will gradually fade out to the point where if you did want to say something, it would be really odd if you continued the conversation after that big a pause. So what ends up happening is the conversation feels very natural and flowing and like kids people the, the kids sort of talk over each other a little bit mm -hmm. that's so which, hard to do yeah it's so hard to do right right and it's like it's sometimes it works sometimes you feel like you missed out on something but for the most part it's written so that the important information is up front and like it kind of trails off at the end so that you can have these moments where they speak over each other and argue and things like that then that's that's the main mechanism of the game it's just like how you respond to different conversations so people will ask you questions about other people and they'll ask you questions about yourself and at that point you can choose for yourself whether or not you want to find out where you came from so you can like say that information or you can play yourself as a secretive person right hmm, okay so like it's this little character authorship that happens throughout the game and i really like that because it's subtle and it's because it's like i'm choosing how I am going to present myself to these people, 
right? And it's it's kind of and it's wrapped in this like uh, horror movie style, like slasher movie style setup where none of the teenagers quite like each other, but maybe they do, and maybe some relationships form. And you know, the 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 big decision moments in the game are stuff that don't seem huge. Just like, hey, would you like to go and help this person first, and then go to that person, or the other way around? Because like time will progress. Mm-hmm. Or who should go investigate this thing? Do you want to pair up these two people that you want to get into a relationship, or do you want to not pair them up because you don't want them to get into a relationship? And all of that stuff kind of funnels into where the game eventually ends up. But it's got a really cool mystery. The presentation is excellent. The voice acting is really good. The writing is really fun. It's very Joss Whedon-ish. Like, it's pretty peppy and sort of fast-paced and upbeat. It's like, that can be both good and bad. you got to be careful. Totally. Um, And it's it's just like, I really enjoyed the central mystery of it. Like, the paranormal angle of it is really cool. Um, And that is why I thought it was awesome. And what systems is it for, Letty? It's just Xbox One and uh, PC for the moment. Son of a um, bitch! No, there's, but it's, there's a PlayStation 4 version coming. Yay! Yeah, I, I'm going I'm to check <clears throat> that. But so like, so, so, like I said, the part that I really like is like it does have major story-changing decisions, but they, they aren't signposted as such because it's all just about what you said. Mm-hmm. Like, you're basically just conducting yourself as a teenager. You're all playing as a teenager in this group of people and you decide whether or not you're open or whether or not you're, you know, rude to someone or whether you like them. Um, and it culminates in a very dark way. You ultimately make some decisions that are very, very dark and interesting, uh, which I won't spoil. But, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, thought it's, I think it's like a really brilliant little story game and it's like the first game that I think is, is incorporating things like uh, gone home, like the idea that yes, you can just make a story-based game. If you even if you sell it as an adventure game, that doesn't mean it has to have puzzles. Why does it have to have puzzles? Right? Be- because like, double I mean, fine. Could yeah. I, do, do I think the game would have been better with puzzles? Uh, maybe. I mean, if the puzzles weren't good, the game would have been worse, and the pace the pacing would have been worse because you would get stuck on a puzzle. Like I don't think I don't think it's necessary. If you are willing to get into this and you just want to be told the story and participate in an in an interesting way, and in a way that's better than something like Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, where you would just sort of go around and listen to conversations, and that was it. Like that was. Like, they, they put the story in the environment, whereas this is very much like you're constantly tweaking and coloring in the characters around you and yourself, right? And the, the coolest thing is there's an achievement for playing throughout the whole game without saying anything. Oh, really? Like you can just be this person who just, doesn't is just super quiet. You don't say anything. Hmm, interesting. And the story will still work that way. And... Uh, is one thing I'm wondering because you're saying it's pretty much a story about like being a teenager. If you're if if you're old enough that you and like not self aware enough that you basically forgot what being a teenager is like, will that will that lead to consequences for you? Like if I handed this game to my mother and she played it and was like, I mean, that's a very irresponsible thing to say. <laughs> would that like negatively impact the experience or can you, does it not, not really matter that these are teenagers? No, I don't think so because that's not really being tested in any way. It's more mm-hmm. about like what kind of person would you like to author and I think it taps into the, a lot of the time the things that you could say or respond with are things that you would expect a teenager to say, someone who is impulsive and maybe not mm-hmm. wise yet. I'm certainly no teenager. And uh, I. there were moments where I did want to be mean to people because of how they reacted. And like, I guess mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to revert to your old self if you really want to. But it's um, not, a, I'm guessing it's not as like on the nose as, I, I think, like I really enjoyed Life is Strange, but there was mm-hmm. one, one decision in the very beginning of the game 
where you could like these girls are sitting on the stoop and you're trying to get into your dorm room and they're like, no, fuck off, ha ha ha, and you don't. You can paint them. You well, you you have to you have to dump paint on them in order to make them move. But then you can choose to either be like, hey, that sucks, I'm sorry, or you can be like, ha ha, and take a picture of them covered in paint. Yeah. And I guess to me, like. It, that doesn't even seem like satisfying. It just seems stupid. Like, of course it's gonna come back and bite me if I do this. And sure as shit, it does at some point later on. And it just seems so blatant hmm. to, like, it's mean in a way that I, I'm sure there are some people out there who would be that mean, but I don't feel like it's anything anyone would encourage. Yeah. Like, you, you wouldn't feel, you wouldn't feel... I guess you wouldn't feel good about it and you wouldn't feel like you did anything cool by doing that. Is the it sounds like this game's a little more like subtle in that you could say to yourself, Yeah, this person deserved it or maybe they didn't, I don't know. It's I mean, a little That's like that's kind of a cartoonish moment, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I would say Oxenfree is not that much about the experience of being a teenager. It's about other things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, okay. It just uses teenagers to tell a story, and it's more about the paranormal aspect of it and what that means for if you were in that kind of situation, would you make certain choices to change your life for the better or change someone else's life for the better? Mm. Um, but, okay. I mean, the, what I really appreciate about it is how fluid it is, how the dialogue is always moving forward. It doesn't get it doesn't get hung up on video game mechanisms or anything like that. And when I say David Cage is locked out of the room, I mean, like, it's the choices are subtle and, like, believable, uh, even though the subject matter is paranormal. Interesting. And I just, I just like games that, that evolve that way, like, that are just, that are confident enough so you never to have to say, go to the worst high school party of all time? You do not. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, you do not unlike Beyond Two Souls. Um, but, like, just have the confidence to not have to, like, scream at the player, listen, here's where you make a choice. We promise we are taking that into account because we want you to know for sure, give you the feedback that this story game is actually doing what it says it is. It doesn't have the telltale. And I do love these. I love telltale. But it doesn't have the telltale moment at the end where it's like, screen goes red. Two options. Push button this way or this way. Right. And I'm also not, like, I think, like, the, the, the more you double down on choices like that, the more cartoonish they become and the less believable. Like, Playing as like choosing how to respond to people and whether you're nice or whether you're spiteful, like that is that to me is a more interesting little set of choices because you do you'll deal with that with 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 everyday life, right? Like how am I going to how am I going to phrase something in the way that's respectful or the right way or like appropriate for the person I'm talking to? That's a that's a real life decision you make all the time. So it's more interesting for me to to choose dialogue options in a game like Oxenfree than whether or not I'm going to blow up a planet of puppies or <laughs> you know save them. So oh, okay. can, can I ask you guys a question? Because I know you're both fans of Telltale's games. Do you think? That the increasing frequency of really interesting things like Until Dawn and Oxenfree is going to force Telltale's hand in that they're going to have to alter their formula in some way. Like, it's, I, I know that it's only been three years since Walking Dead, but already that is starting to feel so dated. I would say I'm going to say no. No. First of all, because I think I think everyone then. else is going to look at adapting their formulas because a lot of these other developers have interesting mechanisms in place mm. or they understand how to like incorporate those into gameplay, but they don't have good writers. Like they're not yeah. mm-hmm. like I think Telltale is the only one who is basically 
so I mean, you could say that they're the way that you interact with Telltale games is pretty stale at this point. Like they're they're not very ambitious in terms of how you do things mm. in mm-hmm. games, but they are like setting themselves out as we're doing a new season or a new TV show. These are the characters. These are the moments. These are the the, the funny exchanges. Like that stuff that they're really good at. They uh, and you could plug that into a relatively like I mean their their engine isn't great, but they plug really good writing and characters and, and voice acting into that, and you get something good. The funny so, thing is, it's not it's not replicable though, because I, I think a lot of people make the mistake of looking at what Telltale does. And saying, "Well, we need like we need writing like that." Not thinking that just you know quality of writing is also dependent on the context and being well suited yeah. to the game mm-hmm. you're making. Like everything you're talking about, you know, with Oxenfree sounds like it really sort of nails the appropriate tone for all of the dialogue that's written in that game. Yeah, they spent their money on the right things. Which is like, if if it was a puzzle game, if there were puzzles all over the place, I would have said that they spent the money on the wrong thing. It's why I couldn't ultimately, like, Life is Strange didn't hold my interest past the second episode. Because the writing up to that point was so spotty and so hit or miss that I couldn't stick with the characters. Like uh, Yeah, I would agree with that. It is it is yeah. it is a rough start. But it's like it's like a you know, I guess it's like a TV season in that way. It's like the yeah. first few episodes are a little rough and then it gets going. Yeah. And I I feel like the with other developers like Don't Nod and um oh no. Super massive. There we go. Um, they are definitely thinking in terms of we want to make a game that tells a story. Yeah. Telltale has straight up expressed, like I, I was at the interview where they said, we don't make games. We just make whatever we want. Right. And it just so ha- We make a story and then we build whatever we want around it. So the fact that it kind of has some game-like mechanics is almost a coincidence, it seems like. And maybe... the. I don't know if other developers are willing to go to go that far for their story. So I don't know if other developers will necessarily be able to replicate what Telltale does. Yeah. I think where they're going to run into trouble is I think they're going to run into the psycho effect where basically what they're doing is becoming such a standard that people are replicating yeah. or trying to replicate and they themselves are replicating that it's going to lo- start to look dated, that yeah. they're going to have to evolve. Yeah. I, well, Ash, what do you think that they should evolve into, though? Like, That's how- the hard question, isn't yeah. it? Well, nobody <laughs> should be replicating. Nobody should be looking to replicate. Like, use what you... Use the talent at your studio to take... to Use the parts that you like and mm-hmm. do something new. Like, don't attempt to just recreate. Right? Don't, don't try to capture And to their credit, to their credit, they've in the last couple, especially Tales from the Borderlands, like even in the last episode of Tales from the Borderlands, I was like, oh, like they were using the exact same telltale formula that I was used to. But they managed to insert these moments where I'm just like, oh, that's smart. Like I never would have thought they would have used it that way. Mm-hmm. And eventually that's going to run it. Like it, it almost has to run out eventually. But they keep surprising me. Like there's things I'm not thinking of that they are. So I think that speaks to their ability to change when they need to and how how they feel like. Yeah, I think you just have to keep going back to Gone Home to some degree because Gone Home is also it's the game is is designed in a suitable way around the story they wanted to tell, right? Like, and mm-hmm. we are now at the point where you can totally get away with making a game that is about a story that doesn't have to 
uh, lie down or like stretch itself like a bridge over a chasm mm-hmm. uh, for people with guns to walk over. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like it's not like you don't have to you don't have to make the kind of story that supports an action game. Yep. Like we're we're well taken care of on that front. Uh, you can do things things like Gone Home Now where you are you, you don't need puzzles. And like it's not it doesn't it's not gonna make the story better. And uh, you know, you have that wave and I think you'll you'll see it with Telltale as they adapt more and more things. Like let's like they're doing a Batman game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a Batman game, it's pretty darn good. Like Arkham the Arkham games are pretty darn good and but they, they tell different kinds of stories, right? Like mm-hmm. what if the Telltale game is about like Bruce Wayne and like again, like we said, like conducting yourself in certain ways or keeping your secret identity or you know, like making uh, like be, being exposed to the people that he's beating up on a regular basis yeah. in a way that's not just in a way that's not just fodder, right? Like you can you can explore different kinds of stories that way, and you don't need uh, like the, the structure that you see in a game like Arkham. Bloody, yeah. you know full damn well that the Batman Telltale game is literally just going to be the Wolf Among Us, but with a cape drawn on Bigby. And, like, you know, and some like makeup to make the other characters like Joker makeup on one guy and a Catwoman costume put on Snow White. That's all it's going to be. They're not even going to make a new game. You know what? God damn it. I am okay with that because there is not a Wolf Among Us season two. I need it and I will take a replacement if I have to. Are they gonna? Are they? Are they going to continue? Have they talked about that? Is it they meant. They kind of vaguely mm. mentioned it once. They're so busy. Yeah. They're Fable, like. The, they're like. The, they're the uh, equivalent Shh. of uh, platinum games. Yeah. But with episodic storytelling. They're they just were doing like, a million things. They. I remember seeing on like their Twitter or something, someone was like, "Hey, is there going to be a season two? They're like, "Shh, we'll find out." And then they never <laughs> talked about it again. And I was like, "Please." Because it ends on such a huge cliffhanger. And it's like, it's good enough that I'm like, if it just ended that way, I would be okay with that. Like, that is still a really good game to me. Like, the cliffhanger doesn't hurt it. But I'm like, where's my season two? I need it. I need it so bad. Uh, and, and Tales from the Borderlands is another great example where they, they just they recognize the opportunity in a universe that has only told stories that are suitable for guy guys around shooting things. Yep. Right? So why not, like, about grifters or, like, con men I feel in like, that universe? And there you go. Like, they did it. They I feel it like all. that was the whole dialogue around Tales from the Borderlands when it was announced. They're like, how the hell are you going to make a story out of Borderlands? Right. And then they did it. And everyone was like, oh, that's how. Good work. <laughs> it's kind of like a comic book writers. Like, when they get when they get someone outside of comic books to do a story with an existing character and that person has to operate within that framework and that limitation ends up helping them do like a really interesting story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I, you know, it's, it's funny. I, God, I don't want to ruin things about Undertale for... So then don't. Stop. I, just I, stop. I, I just, the, the writing is so goddamn good. The writing is so good. And the thing is, is like, it's it's wildly different than the sort of writing you would encounter in something like The Wolf Among Us, which is equally good. But the writing the writing in Undertale. All right, I'm gonna spoil something. Please, no, ah, no, you're not. Stop. Allow me to do one. La, no, la, nope. la, we're gonna no, talk no, about no, no. right, so the show. All right, so goes in and. <laughs> And it immediately starts shitting everywhere. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland is in its earpiece. Quiet. It has an earpiece. 
But I promise you, Anthony, I promise you, if and when Undertale comes to console, I will be the first one to be like, we must do an Undertale spoiler cast. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I really want to have um, the guy who made Undertale, like the sort of mastermind Toby, come on our stream to... I want him to play something really stupid with us. Like, I, I'm, I'm thinking, like, some kind of fighting game. Not even a good fighting game, you know? Primal Rage. Maybe Primal Rage. Killer Instinct. Maybe Killer... Wait, I thought Killer Instinct was a good fighting game now. It's a, the new I mean, one The good. new ones, but I mean, like, the, the old, old ones. Not the so old much. ones, yeah. The old one where I think her name's Orchid. She'll win and immediately, like, tap her ass with her batons. Oh, like. I, I used to be able to do the, uh, the Orchid finisher where she opens her top. That was a progressive game. Oh wow. yeah, she like does, she opens her top and then the and then they, they the do, other guy like, just has like a heart attack. The, the guy has like they have like Tex Avery like 1950s Looney Tunes eyes bug out of their head and they collapse. That's a real thing that happens. Well, what about, I what remember about, that. I'll, I'll give you one. Eternal Champions. Ooh, Eternal Champions is good though. It's uh, a good not game. The, there was the, weren't there like some terrible sequels though. Ah, I'm not sure. I feel like there were. There's the yeah. Sega CD version. It's great. <laughs> Super good. <laughs> I might be misremembering that. It's been 23 years since I played it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, po- it's certainly possible. So, hmm, Luddy, what could, what, yeah, 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 yeah. What is your timeline for finishing Metal Gear Solid Five? When can I expect uh, my next? Uh, I'm gonna shoot for the end of the month. End of the month. Really? By the end of January. I intend to be complete. Not not 100% completion because come don't on, that's, go no because that's, that's insane. No, that's, that's, that's all the side ops, all the mother base research things. No, 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 no. <laughs> end of January. I'm you're, almost there. You're you're in spitting distance. I know, of, of I know. I just need to do some more side ops and uh, wrap it up. Uh, I've got up to episode 40 unlocked in the story mode. So I want to do. It's going. I want to do a poll. Like, not right now, but maybe in, like, a month. And ask people, what open world game are you still playing? <laughs> I feel like you'd get a very interesting picture. You could picture. only almost finish one of the open world games that came out in the last six months. Which did you... You can only have one. Which did you choose? Like, you picked Metal Gear. I picked The Witcher. Witcher. Connor picked Fallout. Someone did Mad Max, probably. Someone. One person. <laughs> I think it was me, and then I stopped. So, no, I, I, I got halfway. And I, I was like, meh. I, 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 will, I will throw this out there. I finished in 2015, crossing into the first week of 2016. I finished The Witcher 3. Oh, what? I finished Metal Gear Solid 5, and I finished Yakuza 5. Those were my, those were my big three. I did it. Do you have a time turner? Or uh, like, I, <laughs> I, I will say that all three coincided with vacation days. Ah. So, all three required a day off in there. Yeah. Oof. I mean, that's cheating, but Man, I haven't even played the, I haven't even played the second episode of King's Quest yet. This oh, is how far either. behind I am. No. Wait, that's actually not true. I did not play Metal Gear Solid 5 uh, on any kind of break. I just played it a lot. And at one point my wife did ask, at what point is Snake leaving our lives? <laughs> Never. He'll said, always be there. I said, don't worry about it. <laughs> How many more times do I have to hear the word parasites? Vocal word parasites. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> <laughs>